spent in vanity and pride, caring not, my Lord was crucified, knowing not it was for me he died on Calvary. Mercy there was great and grace was free, pardon there was multiplied to me. word at last my sin I learned. Then I trembled at the law I spurned, till my guilty soul employing turned to Calvary. Mercy there was great and grace was free. Pardon there was multiplied to minister to us in music is going to share a song that means a lot to him. And uh, if you're going through some tough times, if you're going through some struggles, I would encourage you to listen real carefully to the words of this song. It's a real blessing, the message and song. Uh, so pray for him and listen as he sings a song called Just Be Held. Just 
Open your Bibles, please, if you would, to Romans chapter 8 this morning, and you can uh, put a marker there because we're going to be there for some time, Romans chapter 8. I recently read a story about a southern plantation owner who died and left $50,000 inheritance to a former slave who had uh, faithfully served him all his life, and that would roughly be about a, a half a million dollars in today's dollars, they tell me, in today's money. And the lawyer who was handling the estate notified um, the former slave and told him that the money was uh, deposited in the local bank. Well, weeks went by and uh, the former slave never uh, touched any of the money. He never withdrew any of it. And so the banker called him at home and told him again, uh, that he had $50,000 available to draw upon at any time. And do you know what that old man said to the banker? He said, and I quote, Sir, do you think I can have 50 cents to buy a sack of cornmeal? Now, we read that story and hear that story, and we don't know if we should laugh or cry. I mean, $50,000, and he's crying out, asking, wondering, fearful, and asking for 50 cents. But you know what? That's exactly what many Christians are doing today. 
They're scraping along miserably in their spiritual existence, forgetting about the unsearchable riches that are theirs in Christ Jesus. They forget who they are in Christ. They forget who, what they have in Christ. And they struggle along day by day, not enjoying their Christian life, but just simply enduring it. Perhaps that's you. Perhaps that's you today. Maybe that would describe your Christian walk or your Christian experience. Well, if it is, I have wonderful news for you. We're beginning a new study today, obviously. And it's one uh, that we are looking at that we're calling Romans 8. We are more than conquerors. Uh, Romans 8 uh, is a wonderful chapter of the Bible. It's a full chapter of the Bible. And in fact, if you haven't already, if you'll find it there in your copy of the Word of God, And in the coming weeks, we're going to be studying Romans 8 together. And I believe that this study will help us in so many ways. Perhaps you're depressed today. I mean, I know it's a new year, it's a new decade, but maybe things are not going well and maybe things have not gone well for some time and you're depressed. You know you're a child of God. You know that heaven is your home and you're going there one day, but you're depressed, you're struggling. Well, you know what? The great thing is Romans 8 will help you. Uh, It's the true antidote for depression John Kirsten said, when a person goes through depression, it is always in one of three areas. They're either haunted by something in the past, anxious about something in the future, or weighed down by something presently in their life. But Romans 8 is the perfect solution. You know why? Because verse 1 says there's no condemnation concerning the past. The ending closing verses, verses 38 and 39, promise there's no separation from God's love in the future. And then in between the past and in between the future, you have that glorious verse, Romans 8.28, that tells that God is working all things together for your good. So Romans 8 covers your past, your present, and your future. In fact, it was Donald Gray Barnhouse who said, when a believer's Bible accidentally falls on the floor, it should automatically open to Romans chapter 8 because you've been there so much looking at it and studying it and resting in its truth that your Bible just naturally falls there. And perhaps by the end of our study in the coming weeks, your Bible will fall there too. But maybe it's not depression you're dealing with today. Maybe it's discouragement. You love the Lord, you want to please the Lord, and yet you find yourself sinning over and over again. Maybe there's some besetting sin, something that you're really struggling with, and you're discouraged by it. Well, this chapter will help you. Uh, Maybe it's not depression or discouragement. Maybe you're having trouble. You're just suffering in various ways. There's hurt, and there's trouble, and there's pain. Well, this chapter will help. And I want to encourage you, if you would, that sometime this week, to go through and read the entire chapter. And I would encourage you as we continue studying together each week to just read the entire chapter at least, at least once a week. Now this morning as we dive into Romans chapter 8, we're going to talk about something that sadly we often forget. We're going to talk about what we have because of what Jesus Christ did for us on the cross. And the sad thing is, um, sometimes we forget where we came from. I'm not talking about your hometown. I'm talking about our life before we were saved, before we had our faith in Jesus Christ. Do you remember those days? Do you remember the days before you came to faith in Christ? Do you remember the condemnation, living under the condemnation of sin? Do you remember being in bondage to sin? Do you remember the lack of peace and joy and purpose and joy in your life? Do you remember living in fear? Fear of death. Fear of the future. 
fear of hell. All those things were a true reality for so many of us before we come to faith in Christ. The guilt, the agony, the unrest in our souls. But sad to say, we often forget where we came from. We forget what Jesus Christ did for us. And I think one of the reasons we grow cold in our Christian lives is because we forget where we came from. We forget what Jesus Christ did for us. And uh, we're going to be reminded today as we begin our study. You're there in Romans 8. You've got it. I want to look at the very first four verses. Romans chapter 8, verses 1 through 4. There is therefore now no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus, who do not walk according to the flesh, but according to the Spirit. For the law of the Spirit of life in Christ Jesus has made me free from the law of sin and death. For what the law could not do in that it was weak through the flesh, God did by sending His own Son in the likeness of sinful flesh. On account of sin, He condemned sin in the flesh. That the righteous requirement of the law might be fulfilled in us who do not walk according to the flesh, but according to the Spirit. Father, seal these truths to our hearts. God, my every word, my every thought, my every action. Help us, Lord, to learn truth today and love you more. In Jesus' name, amen. I want to share with you this morning two truths you must never forget as a child of God. Two things you must never forget. You can forget a lot of things. Maybe you're very forgetful and you forget a lot of things. But write these two things down and don't ever, ever forget the two things I'm about to share with you. If you're a Christian, the things I'm going to share with you today are absolutely, totally true about you. And I don't want you to ever forget them. Number one, mark it down, big and bold. Remember this. Remember this. You are fully forgiven. You are fully forgiven. Look again at verse one. Glorious words in verse 1. There is therefore now no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus. Notice those words, no condemnation. There, there is therefore now no condemnation. Well, if there's no condemnation now, that means that uh, once upon a time there was condemnation. Once upon a time there was condemnation. Condemnation, beloved, here is a legal decision. Uh, it's, it's being declared guilty as in a criminal trial. And along with that condemnation and that declaration of guilt comes punishment because there is a guilty verdict. If you watch court on TV or you go to a courtroom, when the verdict is given and it's guilty, there's punishment that comes with it. And that's what we were once under. Condemnation and punishment. Why? Because of our sin. We broke God's law. We broke God's law. We stood condemned. We're sinners by nature and sinners by choice. Uh, you can jot these references down. Listen as I read them. John 3.18 He who believes in Him is not condemned. But he who does not believe is condemned already because he's not believed in the name of the only begotten Son of God. Any person who understands the truth that they're a sinner and, and, and is understanding those things They've reached that age of accountability, as we often call it, who does not have Christ as Lord and Savior. They're living under condemnation this very moment. Why? Because of their sin. Romans 5, 16b. For the judgment which came from one offense resulted in condemnation. 
Romans 5, 18a, therefore, as through one man's offense, that is our representative, Adam, through one man's offense, judgment came to all men, resulting in condemnation. We, once upon a time, before we came to faith in Christ, we were under condemnation and judgment. But now, because of what Christ did, we can say there is therefore now no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus. Now, notice the key there in verse 1. It says there's no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. That little word in is very important. If you'd like to mark your Bible, if you'd like to underline your Bible, then that's a good word to know. In Christ Jesus. That means those of us who know Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior. Uh, those of us whose lives have been changed as described in verse 1. We don't walk or behave after the flesh anymore. But we walk according to the Spirit. We've been changed. If you're a Christian, you've been changed. You've been made new. You're in Christ. You're in Christ. That means you're identified with Him. Being in Christ means you're united with Christ. Are you there in Romans 8? Turn back a page or two and find Romans 6, verse 5. I want to read to you Romans 6, 5 through 11. Romans 6, 5 through 11. Talking about being in Christ, united to Christ. Look at verses 5 to 11 of Romans 6. For if we've been united together in the likeness of his death, certainly we shall also be in the likeness of his resurrection. Knowing this, that our old man was crucified with him, our sinful self was crucified with him, that the body of sin might be done away with, that we should, we should no longer be slaves of sin. We were once slaves of sin. Verse 7, for he has died uh, for he who has died has been freed from sin. Now, if we died with Christ, we believe that we shall also live with him. Knowing that Christ, having been raised from the dead, dies no more. Death no longer has dominion over him. For the death that he died, he died to sin once for all. But the life that he lives, he lives to God. Likewise, you also, if you're in Christ, if you're a Christian, reckon yourselves to be dead indeed to what? To sin but alive to God in Christ Jesus, our Lord. So we're in Christ. We're identified with Christ. We have the righteousness of Christ because He's placed us in Christ. And we have no condemnation now. No condemnation. We're not condemned. We're not under that guilty verdict. We're not under that punishment any longer. Why? Because we're in Christ. The moment you accepted Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, and you put your faith in the fact that He paid your Dead upon the cross. The moment you trusted Christ, you were baptized to the body of Christ. That is, you were placed in Christ. He gave you His righteousness. And when God sees you, now He sees you in Christ. Beloved, we're not saved based upon our merit, but His. Our righteousness, the Bible says, they're like filthy rags. The very best thing we can do. They're dirty, they're soiled, they're no good. That's why we're lost and condemned. But now there's no condemnation. We're fully forgiven. And notice it says there's no condemnation, not less condemnation. Some say, well, I got less condemnation. No, it says you have no, none. You have no condemnation. But listen, sadly, we forget this important thing. We forget that we need the gospel not only on the day we get saved, because all of us understand that. 
The day that you came to faith in Christ, you realized you were a sinner and you realized that Jesus died for you and He took, his, took your place and he, he was buried and rose again and, and you come and you place your faith in Him and you, you pray to a prayer and you ask Him to forgive you of your sin and, and become the Lord of your life and to save you and to cleanse you. And, and, and the Gospel, the glorious Gospel, Yes, we need that the day we get saved. But can I just tell you today, we need the gospel not just on that day. We need the gospel every day of our lives. Because we sin every day of our lives. In fact, 1 John says, what if we say we have no sin, we're a liar. The truth's not in us. Truth of the matter is we sin every day of our lives. I'm talking about Christians. We fail, we sin every day of our lives. In fact, we sin in ways we don't even know that we've sinned. And so we need the gospel every day of our life. Um, Notice it does not say here that there is no sin, but no condemnation. Yes, we're forgiven, but we wrestle with sin. Go back sometime and read chapter 7 when you have time, and you'll find there that Paul is wrestling in chapter 7, basically saying, the things I want to do, I don't do, and the things I don't want to do, I find myself doing them. And he's wrestling with the old man. He's wrestling with sin and temptation. But hear me and hear me well. Our acceptance with God, our acceptance with God is not based upon our performance. It's not based upon whether you had a good day or a bad day spiritually. You know, so many Christians live that way. They come to Christ, they get saved by grace, and then they go out and set to live the Christian life on their own. Jerry Bridges said it this way, we come to Christ and we're spiritually bankrupt, but then we get saved and we start trying to live the Christian life and we start trying to pay our own way. And that's not the way it works. And so people live like that. They come to faith in Christ and then they say, well, I want to live for Christ. So I'm going, I'm going to resolve, I'm going to read my Bible, I'm going to read ten chapters every day. And I'm going to pray three hours every day. And I'm not going to cuss anymore. And I'm going to, I'm going to be nice to everybody. And that first day, maybe they get up and maybe they read their ten chapters. And they pray an hour and say, well, I don't have time to pray three. I'll pray two more hours later today. And so far, so good. You, you prayed and you read your Bible and, and you, you, know, you haven't cussed yet. Then you get out on the highway, you're driving along, and some idiot flies by you and cuts you off. And what happens? You say, Lord, bless them. Maybe you mess up. And you have unkind words. I have to be careful about that because most people have passed me are church members. But anyway, uh, <laughs> the point I'm making is your acceptance with Christ, your acceptance with God is not based upon whether you read your Bible that day or you prayed that day or you didn't cuss that day or you didn't have a lustful thought that day. Your acceptance with God is not based upon any of that. Your acceptance with God is based upon the fact that Jesus Christ died on the cross, took your sin, paid your debt, took your place, and gave you His righteousness. And that's how God accepts you, because you are in Christ. And you need to remember that you are fully forgiven. 
But when we live like I just described in our own hearts and minds, at one moment we're under condemnation because we messed up. The other moment we're not under condemnation. Beloved, that's not what the Bible teaches. The Bible says you are not under any condemnation. And we don't live based upon a works basis. You see, God accepts me when I'm good. God accepts me when I'm bad. Why? Because I am in Christ. And when he looks upon me, he sees Christ. I'm in Christ. Same for you. He does not love you any less today. And he can't love you any more tomorrow. Why? Because his love is perfect. And there's no condemnation for you now. You say, well, what about the sin then? Well, when we sin, he does convict us. Notice the difference. He convicts us. He doesn't condemn us. Conviction, I would best describe it as that burden, that pressure, that realization that, that um, comes upon you through the Holy Spirit to let you know that you've done wrong. You know what conviction is? You realize you've done wrong. And he convicts you of your sin. Why? Because he wants you to confess your sin. 1 John 1, 9. Because he wants you to, rest, to have a restored fellowship with you. You see, condemnation deals with the judicial side of things. That is, God is judge. And the moment that you placed your faith in Jesus Christ, the judge said, you are not guilty. Why? Because Christ took your place. Now, as believers, we go through our lives and we sin and we mess up and we cuss about the person that cut us off and we have a bad day and we lash out in anger and we do all these things that we struggle with and we wrestle with and we mess up and we get convicted. Why? Because he wants to have fellowship with us. And the Holy Spirit convicts us. The Bible says in 1 John 1, 9, if we confess our sins, that means to say the same thing, to agree with Him. We confess our sins. He's faithful and just to forgive us our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. And we're not dealing with God as judge. We're dealing with God as Father. That's where this comes in. And when I confess my sin as a believer, I'm doing it as a child with my Father because I want to restore the fellowship that we enjoy. And so we come to him as a believer asking for forgiveness, beloved. We come as a child to a father. But hear this and hear it well. God, Christian, God will never condemn you. When you begin to understand that all of your sin, past, present, and future is forgiven, it frees you to be honest with God about the struggles that you have in your life. When I finally understand that as a Christian, my sin does not affect my eternal destiny. If I sin today, it doesn't mean I'm going to hell. What my sin does is it messes up the fellowship that I have with the Father. But my sin is forgiven. It's forever. Judicially, there's no condemnation. If I die this moment, yes, I'm going to heaven. But when I sin and mess up, it messes up the fellowship. You understand that parent, just like your child would come to you? There's nothing they could do. Nothing they could do that would make them not be your child any longer. Nothing. They're forever your child. There's a lot of stuff they can do that will mess up the fellowship and the harmony in the home. When that happens, there has to be a restoration of that fellowship. But the moment that you accepted Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, all condemnation was removed from you. You are forever and you are fully forgiven. And now you come to God, not as a judge. You come to Him as a father. And you say, Lord, I messed up. And you confess it. And it says He's faithful and just to forgive you and cleanse you. You're fully forgiven. Never forget that. Never forget that. You're fully forgiven. 
He doesn't accept you based upon your performance. He accepts you because you are in Christ. So now be honest with him. You can bring the struggles and the hardships and that besetting sin and really lay it before him. And know that he loves you. He accepts you in Christ and he's willing to help you. Never forget, child of God, you are fully forgiven. But secondly, there's a second thing I want you to never forget, and that is you are forever free. You are forever free. Now, I told you, Romans 8 is a wonderful chapter. It's a rich chapter. We're only getting to the very first four verses, and we're barely getting through those. And so I really want you to dive deep. Really think with me. Look at verse 2. Remember, you're forever free. For the law of the Spirit of life in Christ Jesus has made me free from the law of sin and death. Go back and read it again. For the law of the Spirit of life, there's that little word again, I in, in Christ Jesus has made me free from the law of sin and death. Once we were in bondage to sin, we were slaves to sin. But now because we're in Christ, we've been set free from the law of of sin and death. Look at verses 3 and 4. He talks about the law in verses 3 and 4. For what the law could not do in that it was weak through the flesh, God did by sending His own Son in the likeness of sinful flesh on account of sin. He condemned sin in the flesh that the righteous requirement of the law might be fulfilled in us who do not walk according to the flesh but according to the Spirit. Let's unpack that a little bit. Let's talk about what he's saying there. When you think of the law, you think probably of the Old Testament. And you think of the Old Testament law. You think of the Ten Commandments and the other rules and regulations that God laid down. And it's important to remember this and mark it down in your mind. The law of God is perfect. There's nothing wrong with the Ten Commandments. nothing wrong with any of that. Why? Because it's perfect. It's God's perfect standard. There's nothing wrong with the law. The problem is not with the law. The problem is with us. We can't keep the law. Notice it says there in that verse, verse 3, it says the weakness of the flesh. It says that the law could not do and that it was weak through the flesh. What does that mean? It means we couldn't keep the law. We're weak in the flesh. The law shows us our shortcoming. It shows us our sin. It shows us our failures. The law shows us that we come up short and we need someone to rescue us. We sang about it a few minutes ago. The rescuer, Jesus Messiah. We needed a Savior. We needed someone to step in and rescue us. And when it comes to the law, you have to keep it perfectly. He doesn't grade on the curve. You either keep the law, all of it, or you've broken it. And none of us have ever kept all the law. Nobody has but one. And his name is Jesus Christ. Look at verse 3 again. It says some very interesting things. If you read slowly and carefully, you see some things it says about Christ. Notice verse 3. It says God did it. After he says that we couldn't, because of the weakness of flesh, the law couldn't save us. Look what it says next in verse 3. God did by sending His own Son. We find there the deity of Jesus Christ. Not just a man, but the God-man. He's God's Son. He's God Himself. Notice what it says likewise in that verse. It says uh, that he sent God in his own son in the likeness. Notice this, the likeness of sinful flesh. Notice that word likeness. In other words, he was fully human, but he was not sinful in the likeness of sinful flesh. We just celebrated that last month. That's the incarnation. That is God robing himself in flesh. Jesus Christ coming and being born as a babe in Bethlehem. 
in the likeness of sinful flesh. And then notice it talks about there that he did what we could not do. He condemned sin in the flesh. That is, as a man, the God-man, he perfectly kept the law. And then he went to the cross voluntarily and laid his life down on the cross. So let's don't check out on me. I know you've got to think a little bit this morning, but you don't want to miss this. Don't forget this. Jesus Christ, he fulfilled the law for you. He took your sin upon himself and he condemned sin in the flesh. And then verse 4 says that he met the requirements of the law. What were the requirements of the law? Perfection. The law has no grace in it. The law didn't say, the law is not like your kind teacher you liked in school who you didn't do very well. Well, you didn't do very well. You made a 73, but I'm going to grade on the curve and give you a hundred. The law doesn't do that. The law says 73, condemned, die, punishment. There's no grace. It's like the teacher you didn't like in school. But the law is perfect. And we've got to do something because we come up short. So God says, I'm not going to leave you there. I'm going to send Christ to die in your place. And he met the righteous requirement of the law. And then notice that it might be fulfilled in us. Again, describing us now in Christ who walk not according to the flesh, but according to the spirit. We're no longer in bondage to sin and death. Why? Because we are now in Christ. In Christ. Sin no longer reigns in us. In fact, we're no longer in bondage to death. The Bible says if you're a Christian and you die, that really it's just a doorway to heaven. To be absent from the body is what? To be present with the Lord. It's just like in death, you just you step out of this world right into the next to be with Jesus. Now, I've given you a lot of things, and I give you two things to remember. You're fully forgiven and forever free. But the question is, what do we do with all this? You say, well, okay, preacher, what do I do with all this? Well, the first thing I thought of when I was studying this that we ought to do is we ought to rejoice and worship the Lord. We ought to sing praise. We ought to say, thank you, Lord Jesus. You did for me what I could never do for myself. I was dead and condemned and destined to bust hell wide open. And yet you stepped in and you took my place and you shed your precious blood and you fulfilled the law for me. I worship you. I adore you. I glorify you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. The problem is we act that way right after we're saved. You find a person who just gets saved and they're on fire for God. But then after a while, the fire dwindles. We get comfortable and we think we're making progress. We forget, listen, we're always accepted in Christ. Never ourselves, but in Christ. Praise the Lord for what He's done for us. He's fully forgiven us and forever freed us. But then I got to thinking about day-to-day practical living. What do we do with this? Well, I want to ask you some questions. Do we live like these things are actually true? Do we really live as believers like we're not under any condemnation at all? Do we really realize and live understanding that our performance is not the basis of our acceptance with God? So I think so many believers live in bondage that way. And they think, well, I did all right. I I had a good day and I read my Bible and I prayed. I, I went to church and then I lost it. And... God doesn't accept me anymore. No, friend. There's no condemnation. Your fellowship is not what it ought to be and He wants you to come as a child to the Father and say, Dad, I, I messed up here. 
I'm wrong. I ask you to forgive me. I do, son. I do, daughter. Let's fellowship together. Do we really believe that we've been free from sin? We no longer have to serve sin. We no longer have to give in to temptation. We're not under the power of sin. We're not under the penalty of sin. Praise be to God. One day we will not even be in the presence of sin. We are right now. But he's delivered us from the power of sin and the penalty of sin. We don't have to sin. The Bible says that with every temptation, there's a way of escape that you may be able to bear it. We do sin. We do fail. But we're not under its power anymore. We don't live there anymore. And some of you might need to hear that. You don't have to give in to that temptation. You don't have to sin. You don't have to yield to that. You have the Holy Spirit indwelling you who will help you. Cry out for His help. As I was studying this, I was struck by some words I ran across by pastor and spiritual writer A.W. Tozier. Tozier's in heaven now and he's rejoicing in the Lord. And I commend anything he wrote to you, but here's what he said. And it was so fitting with what we've got. And I want to share this with you and then we'll close. He said, God knows that sin is a terrible thing. And the devil knows it too. So he follows us around and as long as we'll permit it, he will taunt us about our past sins. Tozier says, as for myself, I've learned to talk back to him on the score. I say, yes, devil, sin is terrible, but I remind you that I got it from you. And I remind you, devil, that everything good, forgiveness and cleansing and blessing, everything that is good I freely received from Jesus Christ. Everything that is bad and that is against me I got from the devil, so why should he have the brass to argue with me about it? Yet he will do it because he is the devil. And he's committed, listen, committed to keeping God's children shut up in a little cage, their wings clipped, so they can never fly. And I think there are a lot of Christians who are shut up in little cages with their wings clipped that never fly because they forget and don't understand that they are fully forgiven. And they are forever free. They are accepted in Christ Jesus. And they are free to fly in this new life. May I remind you of these words and I pray that they will release you to fly for Jesus. There is therefore now no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus. Are you in Christ Jesus? Are you sure? If not, today is the day to come to faith in Christ. And today is the day to walk in newness of life. Let's pray together. Father, thank You for these glorious truths that we have studied today. And I pray that You would remove the fog from our minds and help us to fully, as best as we can, understand no condemnation free from the law of sin and death. And Father, I pray if there are those here today who've been living in bondage and sin and performance and trying to pay their own way, that today they'll realize they're accepted in Christ. 
They can come now as a child to a father and find the help they need to find the victory in their life. And Lord, I pray today, if anyone does not know Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior, they're not in Christ, I pray today, your Holy Spirit to convict them and bring them to faith in Christ alone. In Jesus' name, I pray. Amen. Our closing hymn is number 230, The Old Rugged Cross, and the altar is open today. If you need to be saved, we'd love to help you with that. If you want to come and just pray, you want to come and talk to the Lord, we'd invite you to do that as well. But 2.30, we think about the cross and what Christ did. The altar is open. You come as we sing, 2.30, The Old Rugged Cross. Thank you.